0: Well, good morning, Heartland, and Happy New Year. I don't know what you carried out of the holidays as you flip the calendar, not just into a new year, but a new decade. Uh, So as we look back on the holidays, I mean, we carry through all kinds of great memories. We might carry a little holiday weight. Um, We might carry some uh, stories that, well, there'll be fun stories next year when we tell them about family stories over Christmas, right? Well, listen, I want to start with uh, one thing coming out of Christmas. I have a little secret. So I've got a secret coming out of Christmas, uh, but, but before I even tell you the secret, uh, I just got to know, are you guys worthy of keeping my secret? You say, well, you're telling it to a crowd of about 800 people. Well, I am, but we're family, right? So can I tell you the secret? Can you keep the secret? Sure. Now, I realize this is going to be posted online, and you know, so we just say to folks out there in, uh, in Cyberland, if you're listening in, we're going to trust that you can keep my little secret. Uh, so he- here's the secret. Uh, I I was watching Hallmark Channel. That's not the secret. I was watching Hallmark Channel uh, over the holidays and now here's the deal, I I kinda kinda got this picture of uh, the Hallmark Channel Christmas stories that it's one script played out in different places with different players. But now as I back up from that, here's the secret. I was watching uh, Hallmark Channel with my wife I can't believe I'm gonna do this out loud. (laughs) And I liked it. (laughs) See, that's the secret. Now, you gotta keep my secret, okay? I I liked the Hallmark channel. Tell you more about that a little bit later. I I had a little less of a secret, but something I have been telling folks, um, and uh, you, you can tell folks this too. I decided to get in shape in 2020. Yeah, so I had the mixed reviews just like, you know, just like I'm hearing in the crowd. I mean, you have some folks that are like, yeah, that's great. Way to go for it, man. Kind of the optimistic person. You know, then there was the, yeah, that's great. And you can hear sarcasm just dripping as you read between the lines. And then there's the pause. And you're like, okay, I know exactly what they're thinking. I'll see it when I believe it. Or the, of course you want to get in shape. It's January. Or that is so cliché. So I I began to just think, hey, I I am going to get to the gym. So here's what I did. I beat myself to the punch. Back in November, I started going to the gym because I thought, I got to go for the long game, right? If I can hold off some of the holiday weight, because like Oprah, I love bread. But my bread is a, it's a little bit smaller and it comes in the form of a cookie. (laughs) And if I can put like, I mean, my kind of cookie is in the bread family because it's got the grains. I put oatmeal in it. It's got flour, right? And then uh, if I use my bread cookie uh, to, to make a sandwich, it's not ham and cheese, it's dairy products. I got to get the dairy in there, so it's got chocolate chips frozen in vanilla ice cream. So okay, I, I digress, I go to the cookie thing. But, but here's the deal, when I started in November, I knew I could hold off some of the holiday weight because I needed a jump start. When I got to January, I didn't want to be slugging through kind of that couch potato feel of, I can't even jog a half a mile. Well, last night, I went to the gym, jogged four miles. Yeah. There is no joke. I did that, so I'm actually trying to get fit, and I'm going to continue to move through that. So what is this notion, new year, new you? It's kind of the sentiment in our culture. You know, we flip the calendar. We go for it. Uh, By the way, for you goal setters, how many of you are goal setters? Yeah, you're goal setters. Uh, This is just an aside. Four most important days in setting a goal. Do you know what they are? The day you set it, the day you start it, the day you stop it because it's going to happen we're broken people. What are you going to do after you stop that goal? You got to have a plan to get back on the horse, so to speak. And then the day that you end it, are you going to celebrate? Hey, look at the accomplished. Okay, that's just an aside. Where does this longing for health and wellness and wholeness come from? Well, it got me a bit curious, not just of its origin, but in terms of our culture, I thought to myself, let me do a little research to see how ubiquitous this health and wholeness thing is. So I did limited research, and I say limited because it went like this. Hey, Siri, (laughs) health club's near me. Here's what I got. I have 15 within five miles of me, 14 within 3.5 miles of me, two within walking distance. Interestingly enough, that 15th that's five miles away, <laughs> that's the one I chose. But hey, if I don't want to leave my house, I did another little bit of a search. There are incredible workout programs right at home. Here's what I found with Siri P90X, insanity, DTP. DDP yoga. Have no idea what the DDP is. Anybody know DDP yoga? Ah. Focus T25. Turbo Fire. Body Beast. Hip Hop Abs. Peloton. As long as my spouse doesn't gift it to me. And then there's this mirror thing that connects to the Internet and it talks to you. Now, I don't know about you, But every mirror in my house already tells me I need to go to the gym. I don't need to pay a subscription to hear it out loud. I went a little bit further. Hey, Siri, health clinics near me, 14 within five miles. Pharmacies near me, 14 within four miles. I started to see a pattern with Siri. She must give the top 15 or 14. Dentists near me, 15 within three miles. Sports medicine near me, 13 within five miles. Counselors near me. Took it off the health theme, kind of went internal. Seven within 10 miles. I thought, well, what if I need a therapist? Fifteen within 10 miles. Went a little bit into my finances. Financial advisors near me. Thirteen within three and a half miles. We are a culture obsessed with our wellness physically, internally, emotionally, and mentally, and and financially, and other things. And, And with good reason is we're actually hardwired for it. I mean, it's a a multi-billion dollar industry. And why? Well, entrepreneurs have tapped into and pioneered the fact that it's hardwired into us. So a little backstory, if we go to the beginning of the human story in Genesis, tells us that before man sinned and sin entered into the world, I mean, there was a sense of this wellness that we had from God there was an issue in the world sin comes and since then all creation has been groaning for wellness again I mean your body probably ached this morning for wellness again I know that mine did after that four-mile run last night but listen to this scripture over in Romans chapter 8 verses 22 28 I'll read it to you it's on the screen for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth until now. It's a metaphor. And not only creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for, hopes, uh, for he who hopes... Stop. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. He goes on to say this, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. This is not on the screen. For we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And as Julie had paused and said, hey, is there a burden? You can know that Holy Spirit groans with you for that burden. But it's not without hope. We just read that. And hope, we have a different sense of hope than biblical hope. Uh, When God speaks of hope, he's not speaking of wishful thinking. He's referring to an expectation of what is sure and what is certain. It exudes confidence and trust. That's actually biblical hope. But we've got this notion of hope in our world, the contemporary view. It's got this dissonance to it. It's got this tone of doubt, this sense of Uh, uncertainty in quotes, I I wonder what will really happen, or I I wonder if it will really happen, I hope it does. And that kind of orientation, the I hope maybe, somehow it might, it actually erodes God's meaning of, of hope and God's meaning and intent of certainty and confidence. So when I say, and I think you understand this, I hope to get to the gym three to four times a week. You know what I'm saying, like, well, maybe it'll happen, but I might peter out. But but that's not God's hope. God's hope would say it this way. God's hope would say, come rain or shine, or unless I'm deathly sick, I will, in the new year, over the next 90 days, be at the gym three to four times a week. That's a sense of certainty, and that's the kind of hope that God has for us as a people. Now, a couple years ago, I did a little bit of a shift in my mind as it related to the New Year resolution. You are familiar with New Year's resolutions? Anybody have a New Year's resolution? I am so glad you don't. Here's what I've done. I did a shift from resolution, though I'm resolute to go to the gym. I actually said, what if I had some rhythms in my life? Meaning, if I just showed up in that rhythm and did the deal... Here's what I believe happens is there can be a revolution that actually happens in my soul. So I'm moving from uh, being resolute or having a New Year's resolution to having a rhythm that actually creates a revolution in my soul because in that rhythm, I'm going for the long game. So for instance, do you think I could run four miles the first day? No. I had a tough time at half a mile. So I'd, I'd run, walk, and that's what I would do. I'd do the run, walk. I mean, so I have been building up over two months to get to the place. I mean, it just takes time. Do you think I didn't want to show up to the gym? Absolutely didn't want to show up. By the way, I see some of you at the gym. Say hi. I mean, I'm not, I'm not angry, and I, just because I have my earplugs in, I mean, it's, I'm trying to breathe. All right, but, but I see some of you, so say Hi. So having this kind of rhythm, I think, is really helpful. And so here's what we want to do as a community, and Dan already alluded to it. There's been a rhythm that many of us as leaders have been engaging in in December, and it's reading through the Gospel of Luke in preparation for our Luke reading as a community from January all the way to, uh, to April when we have Easter Easter. And the reason we had been reading ahead of time is we just believe leaders go first, and we wanted to get immersed in it. Uh, So we're going to have a second pass at that, but we want to invite the entire community in with us to have a rhythm of reading in the Gospel of Luke. And maybe you've done that before. Maybe you already have a daily reading. Uh, We'd encourage you to add Luke, and it's quite simple, and we'll explain it to you in a moment. But that's going to be the ask for 2020. Would you join us on the daily to jump in and reading in the book of Luke. The book. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm Canadian today from the book, the Book of Luke. So here's the why. I want to give you four whys. Why the book of Luke? Why even reading the Bible? First off, the Bible has actually been the bestseller of all time. I mean, for millennia, folks have immersed themselves into God's Word, the Bible, and their lives have been radically changed, those who read it. And I just would say this I dare you to read the scriptures and see how God might actually change your life, get your focus on Jesus, and bring the kind of hope that. He promises. Here's what Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God's word is so powerful. And Jesus talks about being washed in the water of his word. And, and uh, I just would invite you to jump into the bestseller give it a reread, and we can do it as a community. Okay, second reason. Why the Gospel of Luke? Well, Luke is actually a great starting point to learn about the life of Jesus. The gentleman who wrote Luke, do you know who he is? Luke, yeah. See, you're, you're, you're already experts in this Gospel of Luke thing. So the, the, the author of Luke was actually a non-Jewish person, and he took great care to make sure that we could understand the Jewish way, the Jewish thinking, the Jewish culture. Uh, And I'll tell you more a little bit about Luke in a a second. But he he writes it from the posture that anybody who has very little education about the Christian faith or about the life of Jesus can have an understanding from a chronological, historical point of view. Uh, It's interesting with Luke is it's 24 chapters, one of the longer Gospels, Uh, Luke also, we believe, authored the book of Acts, 28 chapters, and it it happens that Luke has authored one-third of the New Testament, just like Paul. He he is so thorough. So who is this guy Luke? Here's the third reason. The author Luke, this dude is a stud. Okay, Here's his resume. He's an author. He wrote Luke and Acts. I just told you that. He's an evangelist. He can't wait to tell people about this Jesus, and he had to put it in writing, and he wanted it to, to, be, to live beyond him as a legacy. Uh, he was a historian. Luke's attention to detail and his abundant eyewitnesses account serve as actual credible historian or hysterical view of the life of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, lest I forget the birth of Jesus. Often it's Luke chapter 2 that we use in reading the Christmas story. He, He was also a physician. So his gospel is actually the longest of the four, and he includes the most about healing the sick which would make sense as a doctor, it just shows he's got this great compassion for those who are sick. He was a missionary and loyal friend, so he went with the Apostle Paul on missionary journeys. Uh, He wasn't just his pal, but when much of Paul's cohort began to desert him when persecution came in Rome, when Nero uh, was bringing deadly persecution, Luke stayed on with Paul up to his death. I mean, that's an incredible Incredible friend. He's also a theologian. His gospel has the most detailed uh, account around the birth of Jesus and more detail than the others around the death and resurrection of Jesus. Well, here's the fourth reason. So, the first three, we'll put them up on the screen. The Bible is a bestseller, Luke's a great starting point, the author's a stud, but this book is a book of hope. If we pull right through from the Christmas story in Luke's chapter 1 and 2, what we see is him telling us about the hope that came into the world in the form of a baby in a manger who grew into a boy, and then he moves through the entire book, and he tells us about the hope, the hope of heaven that came to earth, the hope of Jesus, who is a person, the hope that came to live among us, the hope that has come to give restoration, not just physically, but this eternal hope. And one of the key verses in Luke chapter 19 is that the Son of Man, referring to Jesus Christ, he came to seek and to save that which was lost which is just incredible good news for a person like me who often feels lost. Even coming into a new year, I can feel lost, but I can go to a place like Luke and I can find myself again. So, so let me pause. We used to have this thing, uh, it's a writing utensil called a pen. And we used to have this thing called paper and they would make it out of tree pulp. And they would create this incredible stock of stationery. Are you guys with me? I know you've heard of a pen and paper. I know you have. But it seems like we've moved past a bunch of that. But it was interesting with my kids is they actually don't know how to write this handwriting called cursive. So they were looking at some of my handwriting like, I don't know how to read that. I'm like, do they not teach you cursive right now? So it's interesting, pen, paper, and cursive. We used to do this thing called writing love letters. Do you remember the love letter scene? You don't want to share the love letter scene, huh? Well, my wife and I in college, we used to write love letters. Uh, pretty amazing. We'd probably do it a couple times a week. And I say love letters. I mean, they were short notes on nice stationaries. Hers smelled nice. Um, I don't really know how mine smelled. I didn't think about that. Uh, probably should have thought about that. But she married me, so we're good to go. But we would, we would write back and forth. And I can remember combing over those love letter notes each night, and, and I just I would hang on to them. But then I would read into you know okay what what is she really saying in this piece? Anyway, care packages. Do you remember care packages in the college? We used to get care packages all the time. The shoebox my mom would send, and, and she'd send the she'd send my bread, the cookies, right, and then she'd send the essentials, and it, just in time, you know, I don't have to borrow my my roommate's toothpaste anymore, he didn't know that. I probably didn't know he was using my toothbrush, so it was all good, we swapped. (laughs) But the cookies were great and the toothpaste was necessary, but it was the letter that mom would write that would remind me of home would remind me of where i came from would remind me of who i am and i could hang on to the letter in the tough time of the semester and i would actually go back to when i would open up the cookies and i would you know, kind of ration them and share them i'd go back and i would read the letter when I was feeling distant from home and I felt closer to home and when I, when I felt disconnected in terms of what am I doing and what am I doing here, I could read the letter and I could get reoriented. That's what reading God's Word is like. It helps us to get reoriented to His love for us and we can comb over it and, and, and what can happen over time is You get so excited, you can't wait for the next day's reading, and and you want to comb over it some more, and and it reminds you of who you are, and where you've come from, and the larger story in which your life is set, and and some of the direction that God might be taking you going forward. And so my wife and I were combing through some of our um, bins... And we came through the shoebox of the memorabilia of all the different things that we've saved. You know, the, the rose petals that I can't believe. You know, you pick them up and they crumble, but there they are. Or these love letters written in cursive. My wife actually, she had this large heart that I'd cut out of construction paper, and I had filled with all these writings. Uh, and somehow that got under glass and has now shown up in our bedroom. And it's quite cheesy uh, as I look at it, but, but, but here's what's really interesting to me is Those are the kinds of things that we treasure in our heart. You have things like them, could be great memories, could be a photo book. The psalmist says it this way, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. And and so as a community, we want to go after hiding God's word in our heart and the first step in that is actually just reading right from the great book. So how, how do we plan to do this? get a little bit practical. We're going to go two chapters a week. So this is chapters one and two. We're coming out of Easter. Uh, My job was to get a lot of information in a short amount of time to kind of set us up to go forward. But two chapters every week, for the most part, going into Easter. And so you can jump into the journey. We've got a devotional that'll help you just read a little bit each day. You can go get the app and jump in. Uh, Or if you like to color outside the lines like me, you can just read a chapter a day or read the same chapter throughout the week. Really, really simple. But, but here's what we like to do. We're not calling this a resolution. This is just a communal rhythm that I guarantee if you jump into the rhythm of reading God's word, stuff just begins to happen. Stuff pops off the page. He begins to give incredible hope, and our eyes get fixed on putting first things first. And a Jesus first life, I mean, it is amazing. Now, how how do I know that? Well, I talked to him last night before I went to bed. It's amazing. I I talked to him this morning when I woke up. Amazing. Here's what's really cool. He talked back. I, I talked to him before I stepped on the platform. Matter of fact, I've been talking to him because we're hardwired to be able to have a three-way conversation. We we can process 450 words per minute, but we can only speak about 150. So that means, as I'm sharing my 150, there's 150 also going inside of me, and I could be listening to the 150 that God might be sharing with me. We're hardwired for that kind of conversation. And all of us can have that kind of conversation. But it just takes time for us to build that. So here's what you'll need. Number one, You'll need a copy of the Gospel of Luke. I know that's the no-duh of the century, but where do you get a copy of the Gospel of Luke? Well, if you have the big family Bible at home, it's got Luke in it. Table of contents will tell you the page that it's on. If you have a Bible, it's in there. If you need a Bible, we have some in the hub. We'd love to give that to you. They're easy to go on Amazon. You can purchase a Bible. If you have internet access, you can go to www.biblegateway.com. And there's all kinds of translations there. Or if you have a mobile device, there's the Version Bible. It's a great app, real easy. Here's what I do when I go to work, 12-minute ride for me, plug it in, and I can listen to the Bible being read while I go to work. I mean, it's just really simple. couple of the translations that I use. So as you look through, they, they've got three-letter acronyms for it. English Standard Version, ESV is one that I listen to. N-L-T is another one. N-I-V, New International Version. The message, it's a paraphrase, real simple. So so what I do is I'll listen to Luke 1 and 2, but I'll listen to the ESV on Monday, N-I-V on Tuesday, NLT on Wednesday. I'll just listen to a different version, and and it just gives me a bit of a different perspective, and, and I'm getting immersed in the Scriptures. All right, number two, You don't just need a copy of the book of Luke. You you just need a plan. So we've got a plan for you. You can do the the journey, and and it gives you how to read. Or you can just read two chapters a week, same chapters every day for five or six days. Some of you might just sit down on a Saturday and go at it for two hours and just study. I mean, there's different approaches, but my encouragement is get a plan. Number three, you'll need your own rhythm. So here's some rhythms that can work. Maybe you're a morning person. How many of you are morning people? All right. How many of you are evening people? How many of you don't know where you are right now? (laughs) So you you could do it at breakfast with a cup of coffee. You could do it at breakfast with your family and just pause and, hey, we're going to do this reading together three times over the week. Maybe you have a roommate. You could sit down with a roommate at breakfast, at lunch, in the evening before you go to bed. But my encouragement is pick a place and use that same place pick a time and use that same time maybe you want to learn more Alpha is a great place that can encourage it strong enough if you've got questions you want a safe place to have discussions find some friends have some good food I'd encourage you to jump into the Alpha course sign up to reserve a spot maybe you have just more questions about how to read the Bible you can do that in our Tuesday course on the 21st Remember my secret? You're going to keep it, right? My secret was not that I just watched Hallmark Channel. It's that I liked it. So, When Calls the Heart is a show that my wife likes. And I found myself liking the show, not because it was set in 1910, not because of the dresses and the clothes and the even the storyline, here's why I liked it. I had to find something to say, okay, how can I resonate with this? Here's what resonated for me. This was a colony of people set on the fringe of the frontier, and folks, they would pass through and they would find hope, in this place that was on the frontier where folks would go out on the frontier and they would come back and they would find hope for their souls in this community and as I watched this I thought yes that is so much like the life that I wanna have I wanna be not just a colony of one but within a community of people that have hope certainty about who the person of Jesus is that as people are passing through my life or as we move out on the frontier they can kind and find respite and find healing for their souls. They can be reminded, this is who I am. This is where I'm going. And know where they've come from and found healing and rest. And I just have a hunch that as a community, if, if we give ourselves to the reading of God's Word daily in Luke over the next several months, that hope might just rise because... Jesus, when he touches things, he changes things. And he he, he moves our grief from 2019 into joy in 2020. He he trades the despair for happiness and peace. It's what he does. So it's interesting as I put out the script to our team and got an early morning text from a gal who said this, hey, great message to kick off Luke today praying for God's words to break ground today and that people will follow a new path or trail if you will the turn toward hope and your story of the colony of hope reminded me of the history of the literal ground Heartland stands on back in the day when Olathe was the geographic point of the Santa Fe Trail the Oregon and California trails meeting together people following their incredible hope for a new life headed west refueling and probably taking a deep breath and stealing for themselves the journey ahead I imagine in the error our location was a place that emanated hope and helped encourage and prepare folks for the pursuing what they believed would be what they're being called for and called to a colony of hope on Strangline Road which that's the road we're on can we be that again as a people Here's a little bit about Olathe, founded in 1857 before Kansas became a state in 1868. One of the oldest communities in Johnson County and in the state of Kansas, Olathe is located on the historic Santa Fe Trail and on the Oregon and California Trail, the geographic center of Johnson County. Olathe became a major stop along the Santa Fe Trail with as many as 600 wagons a week traveling through Olathe on the way to gold fields and farming settlements in the far west people today is the perfect time for hope where do you need hope that burden where do you need hope for 2020 it is available the question is will you go after it it's already come to us in the form of jesus we have it in the form of his book in luke and the question isn't just, will you step into the reading of Luke and go after the hope? For many of us, the question is, will you take others with you? Whether it be a spouse, a roommate, a family member, a coworker, your children, a fiance. So here's my question. How many of you right here, right now would say, you know what? I wanna be a part of the community that's larger than myself and I'd like to jump into the reading of Luke as a community through April. Would you stand with me? Say yes, individually I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. It's okay if you stay seated, completely okay. I'd rather you have stay seated and not do it than stand and not do it. So God, would you make it so in our lives that we would be a colony of hope that as people pass through this community, through our personal lives, that they would discover the Jesus that we're discovering and making in first in our lives from the reading of something as beautiful and powerful as the Gospel of Luke. And we thank you this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen.